0: back it's Howell history again once again I'm Derek Harper here with my good buddy Chad Cox Chad how you doing tonight? Good man how are you? I'm doing pretty well we are back on January 21st the Wolves have played five games since we talked two weeks ago it has been an interesting stretch let's just put it that way the Wolves have gone one and four one win over the Spurs losses to once again the Spurs the Grizzlies the Hawks and the Magic and going one and four doesn't even seem to to wrap up how uh, horrible this five-game stretch felt to the fan base, Chad. How, how's, how have things been going for you? How have you been feeling about the team with how they've been playing lately?
1: Well, it's funny because I took notes for just my thoughts on each game since we, we kind of break these up every two weeks. So I just, you know, mm-hmm. could remember some of those things. And then most of it was pretty fresh in my head until last night's game against the Magic where it was such an abysmal way to lose that, like, nothing else really seemed to matter. The other four games didn't really even seem that consequential. Yeah. Um, just because that one was, like, such a downer. That, that's the most down I've been on this team in two two full seasons, probably. Um. I don't know why, because we've had other bad losses during that time. But for whatever reason, that one just felt like, you know, you had control of that game for three and a half quarters, and then it just, like, evaporates, like, almost... In Minutes so literally in minutes. So anyway, um, the otherwise I mean there, there's there been some good things, you know I the emergence of uh, Jaden McDaniels has been Kind of eye-opening because he was kind of a guy you didn't really expect to play anything meaningful um, And maybe only sparingly every four to eight games You'd even get an appearance bound but here he is like last night against the Magic actually getting meaningful minutes He kind of took layman's spot you know, mm-hmm. uh, Vanderbilt kind of took the Wancho's spot from Wancho's. Yep. Yeah, and then and, you know, Wancho's out, obviously, so maybe McDaniels won't have as many minutes when Wancho's back, but Lehman's just kind of like the forgotten guy. I mean, I know he had a baby recently and then missed a couple games and then was back for the Atlanta game but didn't play, and then this game he didn't play at all either. Yeah, he was so, deep bench. I'm not sure what happened there, but yeah, he got, his, he got a run
0: at the beginning and he just lost that spot completely.
1: Yeah, and he had a great preseason, so it's kind of a it is a weird sort of healthy scratch for him because, um, you know I don't know you know I mean they, this this is a team that definitely needs more rebounding when Cat's not on the floor mm-hmm. because we're an abysmal rebounding team without Cat, um, and so maybe that's part of it that you know Vanderbilt obviously of those guys is the best rebounder Wancho rebounds better than Lehman still, um, so maybe that's why you know but anyway back to McDaniel's I mean he gets in there and he just seems to kind of have a pretty good feel for the game. I mean, he, on both ends of the floor, did some really nice things. And um, I know on Twitter we were kind of rehashing the game from last night, and I mentioned uh, that he, he reminds me of what KG as a rookie looked like. You yeah. know? And I'm not suggesting that McDaniels will become anywhere close to what KG was as a pro in his prime. You got to remember, he's a, McDaniels is already a year older than what KG was when he came in or a mm-hmm. year, year more experienced. Um, at least at the college level but he had that sort of spring to a step he was trying to block everything he was you know all over the place on defense trying to make plays you know a little bit like vanderbilt but more athletic i mean he's you know contesting more shots so that's you know if you're looking for
0: silver linings that's been probably the the top one for me out of these last five games yeah that's something to lean on definitely and uh oddly enough i i was at the very first start for kevin garnett i was in the arena oh, wow. that night and um i don't know if it was a last minute change or what the the impetus was behind flip putting in kg or was it even flip his fr- his first year was yeah, it bill it was Blair flip. still it was flip okay it was flip um or, but flip decided to put him in and because the the p.a. announcer didn't seem ready for it and i i kid you not he chuckled right before he said kevin garnett's name <laughs> And it was, I, I just remember how shocked I was, not only by the fact that Kevin Garnett was starting, but by the fact that the PNLs announcer like broke form to be surprised by a, a starting lineup announcement. I wish I could find the audio of that because I, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but that is exactly how I remember it in my head. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, and I've
1: seen only maybe two or three of the games from KG's rookie year mm-hmm. when he played. And to be honest, I can't remember much about the actual game. I there was one game I was at that he was in where we were playing Seattle. Mm-hmm. And before the game, he, Sean Kemp, and Gary Payton were kind of had like a little side bet who could, between Kemp and KG, who could reach higher on the backboard. Sure. And so they got chalk on their hand and would run up and jump and touch the backboard. And I remember, so that's my first memory of KG. KG actually, his fingers went over the top of the backboard. Okay. When he jumped up, I was like, whoa. You know, and, and Kemp was was pretty damn close as well. But right. KG, KG beat him, but KG's a little longer. Um, the other only memory I have, and I think it was from the same game, because we had, um, uh, because we only went to a couple games a year, we had courtside seats, or they were on the hoop side, but they were mm-hmm. first or second mm-hmm. roll every time. And um, KG was inbounding the ball, and he's sitting there singing a song. I don't remember <laughs> what song it was. And then in the middle of the lyric would yell to somebody to cut or whatever, and then right back to the lyric, bobbing his head, and then, Involved in the past, so I was like, "Man, this guy's a ton of fun." But uh, McDaniel doesn't seem to be as as charismatic no. as KG. He's a little, a little. I mean, who is though? No, yeah, 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 that's a high, high bar. Yeah. Um, but just from a play standpoint, I mean, he he, you see a guy that skinny and you think this guy's not ready for the NBA, and then he actually makes these heady plays that you're like, "Oh, maybe he does belong." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I felt like about KG. In his rookie year same kind of deal you looked at him and looked at his frame and you're like this this guy is a couple of years away from even being able to play right and then he got out there and you're like whoa this guy's understanding and feel for the game is w- way beyond what his body looks like it would have and so that's kind of the correlation i have with mcdaniels um so that's that's a bright spot because if, if you hit on him you know that's a, obviously a huge win for this a team that needs just more talent.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a big gap between Kevin Garnett and Anthony Randolph. So let's hope he, he (laughs) leans more towards the former and less towards the latter.
1: And that's what, that was the other comparison I made to him was the NDEB, you know, right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Built similar frame again. He might've scored more points last night than Evie scored in his career though. So probably did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So other than that, I mean, the other takeaways I had, you know, I mean, this team just, (sighs) the, the young wings and even, you know, you can even throw Beasley in there with those, but Culver, Ant, and Okogi, um Beasley like they have they all have bad hands. Passes go right through their hands, mm-hmm. way too much, or just sloppy with their handles, whatever. Um that that's bugged me the last, you know, handful of games. And then all of them also tend to jump in the air with no plan on what to do with the ball. Whether they're gonna you know, dunk it, do a layup, or pass, or whatever. They don't really. They, they just kind of get themselves in trouble too many times every game, and all, all of them do that. And that that's the other sort of frustrating thing. And I get it's an inexperienced thing. That you, you know, I'm sure in college, you know, if you take Ant for example, he most guys got out of the way when that dude was coming to, mm-hmm. in there. And in the NBA, they're just not. You know, and I know he's he's you know kind of complained that he's not getting enough fall calls, but. You see him when he he lifts off, and then he doesn't just go right to the rim like Zion. Zion, when he jumps, it's just a, you know it's just a dunk. Yeah. You know, um, Ant jumps and it's a double clutch, or it's he's moving the ball some way in the with his hands, you know, shifting, you know, to go around the other side of the rim, whatever. And, and that's why he's not finishing. And I think what Ryan said when he told him just dunk it every mm-hmm. time is good advice, and he should do that. He didn't take that. Advice last night, he still was shifting yeah. the ball around too much and trying to get um, cute with it. But yeah, I think if, in order for him to start getting those calls, he just needs to throw it down. And you know, if he doesn't, if he gets stuffed, gets stuffed. But the the outcome's the same as getting cute with it and it rimming out anyway. So um, I would like to see him kind of shift to that and, and Culver a little bit the same. Culver's a little bit better finishing right now than I think Anthony's a little bit ahead of him. Um, but you know, it's a problem because you know those guys. It would, their efficiency would go up so much if they could just
0: hit those gimme shots. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at a spot now where Anthony Edwards has the worst metrics out of every any rookie in the league. Uh, there are calls for Ryan Saunders' head, and uh, it's not really a good spot. So we're not going to dwell on that for too much too long tonight. We're going to move on. We're going to have a little bit of fun with it. We uh, we each came up with twelve questions. We'll do a a two by twelve here. Uh, we're going to go back and forth, and we're just going to kind of get to know. Uh, each other as fans, as NBA fans, and as Timberwolves fans to try to understand where we're coming from, uh, what our preferences might be, and we might get a little goofy with it. So we'll do some would-you-rathers, we'll do some uh, where-were-you-whens, and we'll just uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so Chad, you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll let you call it. All right, I will ask you the first question, because this has been a topic of conversation lately, mostly brought up by a recent podcast by uh, the good old Zach Lowe. He was talking about the Portland Trailblazers, and he was saying that kind of the the goal of a fan of a small market team needs to be to enjoy sustained success in a really good team, because if all we're looking for are counting the rings, then inevitably we're going to be disappointed. And I think I put on Twitter that if, if that's the criteria, then that's where the Timberwolves are going to lose me, because uh, personally if we're not going for a championship if that's not the ultimate goal i'm out i'm not going to just sit around and wait you know hope for a team to be plucky and be the eighth seed six years in a row so my question my first question to you is would you rather see a team go the florida marlin style get one championship and then be back in the lottery for multiple years in a row afterwards or see 10 straight years of playoff runs with no championships
1: so my answer has probably changed the older i got um I mean, I, I would, I would be fine with them if they won the championship and then just we're back in the lottery because obviously that's still better than where we're at now. We're in the lottery anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I actually I get where Zach Lowe coming from. The older I get, the more I'm content with just give me a, a product that I can be excited about night in and night out. Um, and I don't think what he's saying is necessarily just just eking out the eighth spot. I think no, he's, he's not. But yeah, he's middle saying, of the pack, yeah, you know, right. fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, somewhere in there. Um, you know the way that the KG years were to me, I would take the ten years of KG right now and be completely content. Um, I I, I don't want to say over a championship because I don't know what that feels like. Right. <laughs> so uh, the only championships we had in my lifetime were with the Twins, mm-hmm. and and believe it or not, baseball was my favorite sport back when that was taking place because we didn't have a basketball team for the first run. Um, but I, the older I, got, I I feel the same way about the Vikings. I, I would. I'm content with, or I've kind of accepted the fact that every year is not going to be a Super Bowl run. I know it's different for football. They can do it because teams are a lot more equal. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I've grown to have more patience, and I'm not a patient person, but I've grown to have more patience. I would take the, the the successful run and just have a team that's relevant year in and year out, than be a doormat nine years and win a ring and then be a doormat again for another nine years, you know, so I, I would lean towards the ten year run, sure, but it's close for me.
0: Yeah, I struggle on that one, I and mean, because, like you said, it we've had twenty four out of thirty one years be doormat status, you know. So right. we're very used to that. And if you could just switch one of those to be a championship team, then you'd have that forever, you know. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, like I kind of look at the other sports. You look at like again, if we take football, Chicago's kind of that, right? They're mm-hmm. a doormat for eight, nine, ten years. And then they make a run and win a Super Bowl or get very close. And then they're a uh, doormat again. And the Vikings are, are, are the opposite of that. The Vikings are almost always in the playoffs, yep. but never get to the big game. Now, you know, I, I can, I can see the logic of like, just get me one. Yeah. And then we can talk. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> I think most uh, people in Minnesota would say, get me one. And then let's, let's right. see where we go from that's there. That's
1: a problem. We're in a state where we don't have a lot of champions. So yeah. that's, that's the tough thing, you know. I it might be different if your if one of your franchises is winning every ten years and the other one's just a healthy team ten years in a row, mm-hmm. then you might be like it might be easier to pick. But
0: right. So and anybody working for the team and working in the front office would obviously choose ten years of sustained success because that's going to lead to a more successful and better bottom line. You know, but yep.
1: financially it makes more sense.
0: As a fan, if I don't believe that a championship is is the goal is possible for the team, and I can't do it anymore. So I need to either continue tricking myself that it's the eventual goal, that that's going to be a thing, or I need to the, figure the NBA, out how. Yeah, yeah.
1: And the NBA is tricky because, you know, one, we have the market, the the weather, all these things holding us back where it's such a star driven league. You, you need, you know, two and a half superstar level players in order to be competitive team. And I just am a realist. I don't think you're going to get that in Minnesota. I mean, we have towns who's, you know, I would argue he's on that superstar level, but many people would argue he's not even on that level. And he's he's, he's by, the half. Far away,
0: Yeah, you need two, two guys better than but, Towns.
1: Yeah, I I would argue you need another Towns and a, a guy that's a little bit lower. But I get the you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you're not crazy to argue that he's only the half. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's um. It's I, that's why for me, I guess I've just kind of come to accept that it's probably not likely in the way that the NBA is right now, that it's rare for a small market team to do well. I mean, it's just, yeah, you don't see it, you know? So, all right. First one for you. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to start with, you know, being that it's a of history. Uh, what's your, the first Wolves game you ever attended? What do you remember about, of it? And like, who did they
0: play? Where did you sit? That kind of stuff. I wish I could give you that answer. I think, like I, like I said, I was uh, six in 1989, and I'm pretty sure my grandparents had season tickets. So I'm sure they brought me with. I'm sure I was wearing, you know, animal print Zubas and, you know, watching Crunch half the game, watching the blimp go around and drop hats. And uh, I do remember my grandparents' tickets were behind the basket, you know, maybe 10, 12 rows up. Um, so whenever we'd go, it that would be about where we were. So then you could run down the steps. Because remember, at the time, they had the steps just right down the middle behind the basket Yep. Um, so you know, it, it would always be run down the steps, try to get crunches autograph, run back up, and then you know just be happy the rest of the game. So uh, lots so, of lots of neon colored hats, you know, sure. that type of thing. So,
1: so if, if being that you were that young, mm-hmm. first one you attend, what's the first one you remember
0: going to? Do? First game I remember. I'm trying to think through the years now. I remember being at the game when Michael Williams broke the record for consecutive free throws made okay um i don't remember exactly what year that was uh and i don't it probably is nowhere near the first game i was at but i think that's my first like significant moment i remember where i was when type thing okay what what about you what was your do you remember your first game um i don't i know i didn't go that
1: first year um because i was at the dome Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i went the second year so i remember going a game where doug west kind of went off had a big game against the dallas mavericks and i'm trying to remember if that was a sean brad i think sean bradley was on that team okay um because i think that's why we my dad would give us the schedule so my dad had season tickets for his company Mm -hmm. but he didn't he rarely went to the games he just there's i have three brothers who take each of us to a couple games a year and then the rest we give away to clients and whatnot but he um he would give us the schedule and let us pick the games. And, you know, as a kid, you're just picking out like kind of the freak show games. And so we were looking for, we wanted to see Sean Bradley cause he was seven mm-hmm. foot seven and he, my dad would take us individually. So he had two seats. So that was one of the games I picked for whatever Sean Bradley event.
0: appointment viewing for Chad Cox. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, and yeah, it, it was a, yeah, that we were sitting behind the Mavericks bench, like right behind them mm-hmm. to the point where I was yelling at uh, AC green at one point. And he, he turned around and he's glaring at me, and my dad just starts pointing at me like he didn't want it It's like it was him, it was him. I, I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> like a total coward.
0: <laughs> just sells me out, and I was like, you know, 13 or something. Yeah. So. All right. Second question for you Timberwolves are going to go 41 and 41. Would you rather do that with one star and a team of underperforming role players or a well balanced team of no stars? but guys who know their roles and play well in them. That's another
1: tricky one because
0: I find some of my favorite players aren't stars.
1: So I'm kind of the wrong one to ask, but on the flip side, you know, my all-time favorite players, KG, and he was obviously our biggest star. So um, I would probably say the well-balanced team because then in my head, I'm thinking we're one guy away from being a Mm -hmm. perennial playoff. You feel
0: like an overachiever rather than un- an underachiever.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like those Memphis teams that were yeah. kind of these gritty. I, those those are always the teams I like. Memphis is one of my favorite teams. I've, I've always liked the Trailblazers. They, you know, historically they've always kind of been one of those type of teams. The Utah Jazz, you know, mm-hmm. kind of been one of those teams. So I would say the more well balanced team without like a true yeah star player. How about you?
0: Uh, I think I agree with you. If it's only for one season, that would be a more enjoyable season to watch. If I were to start a team and I could choose one star or a team of good role players, I'd probably pick the one star to start with. Yeah. You could pick a star. Yeah, yeah, that might be a little bit different question than no. I'd probably want to do that. Because... You know, if you had Towns come in and the rest of the team, like this year, completely underperformed and proved that they were a, the worst team in the league when he wasn't on the floor and he somehow got the team to a 500 record by the end of the year you'd probably be happy with that. And then you'd just be impressed by how good Towns was and feel like you were closer to actually putting something together than than not, but
1: frustrated that he doesn't have a supporting cast that's helping him. So that that's the,
0: yeah. Where, yes. For one year, if you just had that team that played together, you know, like the, the Larry Brown, Charlotte Bobcats, like they held teams to 85 points a game. They, it was Gerald Wallace and, you know, Raymond Felton and those guys out there and,
1: the Miami Heat, even last year. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a star, mm-hmm. but not like LeBron, Giannis. No, you know, like so you have that team with Hero and Nunn and you know all these kind of guys. They those won are, with
0: the system more so yeah, than they're count.
1: fun teams. Yeah. Or the Detroit Piston team, um, you know, in the early 2000s with you know mm-hmm. Rasheed Wallace and Chauncey Bubbs. And you know, Rasheed was a star at one point, but he was sort of past his prime when he was on that team. Tayshaun Prince. you know, those guys, none of them were real. Yep. So those were fun teams. So, all right. Um, second question for you. If you could bring back one Timberwolf from the history of the franchise, not named Kevin Garnett, to put on
0: this team, mm-hmm. who, would it, who would it be? To make this team better or to have more fun, or either. 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 No choice. I am going to not choose Malik Seeley because then he's alive again. Because I feel like that's a cop out answer. That's that's not doing anything for this team. That's That's just okay. The good person award. (laughs) All right, I'm going to bring in. I mean, with how much this team needs a power forward, I gotta go Andre Kirilenko. I think he'd be the right fit in between Cat and the rest of the roster, and the, the way that he could defend multiple positions and play the weak side defender, you know, kind of the way that Giannis does for the Bucks. I think would just make this team a whole lot better. Do you remember when, when we got Kirilenko, and there were the their charts came out that said, going from West Johnson in your starting lineup to Andre Kirilenko in your starting lineup was the same jump as going from a league average player to Kevin Durant. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was the change that that was made by the Timberwolves that year when he came over. So, I I, I think he'd be the fit for me. What about you?
1: Um, well, Karolinko was one of the names. The other one was Kevin Love
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not because I'm, I mean, I didn't mind Kevin Love, but he's not like a super dynamic guy to watch, but we, we, on this team, we need rebounds. We need, again, a natural power forward and he would also fit the system cause he can shoot and pass. So, um, uh, he's not a defender. So Karolinko is a better fit from a defense standpoint. Yep. Offensively, I think Love would be the better fit because, you know, the rebounding and the three point shooting. Um, uh, but yeah, I think either of those guys are. Solid do. choices to make the team better. If I could pick a guy just for fun, I'd probably go back to like an Isaiah Ryder or somebody like that, just because. I think we I need somebody life.
0: like that on this team right now. If we're gonna watch yeah. through the rest of this year, we might as well have somebody who's spouting their mouth off every other game. Right, right. Sam Cassell, somebody yep. like that. Well, if we if we had somebody like Sam Cassell, I think that would not only be fun, but he'd also change the whole it would, tone be a of the team. Him. So yeah, yeah sure. so that'd be a fun one too. But all right. Would you rather have the current status quo of Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders or have Tibbs in both positions again? Um, I would do the current status quo. Okay. You uh, still yeah, you would, still feel that way? Yeah. Right.
1: I, I, well, because I didn't really like the other roster moves that Tibbs made. I mean, he, yeah, he got us. It was a short-term – I don't know how long that would have lasted anyway, even if Jimmy was always happy here, because mm-hmm. you're replacing Taj by now. You're replacing – you know, Teague, anyway. I mean, like, that roster was still kind of a mess. It was just Jimmy and Cat. I mean, you're still probably getting rid of Wiggins. You know, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the long-term outlook for that team would have been. Um, and I, it was such a very unappealing style to yeah. watch. I just didn't like watching Tibbs' teams. So
0: <laughs> No, I just, even in the winning, they're just it didn't feel fun. You know, and maybe that to me had a large part to do with the fact that Derrick Rose was on the team, and I just could never get over the fact that Derrick Rose was on the team, and I just didn't enjoy that that part of it. And I, it was kind of like having Brett Favre on the Vikings. I just never felt I guess it, never felt good about it. But
1: that's a, I mean, I felt like I would have known most of that stuff I'm going to ask you on these questions. But the one thing I've learned about you on this since we started doing the podcast, yeah. How much you dislike Derek Rose. I didn't realize you disliked him. Well, that's much.
0: because, so for anybody listening, Chad and I worked together from 2007 until 2011. And we've kept, you know, we've chatted on and off ever since, but we used to go to Taco Bell and talk about the wolves for, you know, for 45 minutes, you know, twice a week. And, uh, you know, it was just, we had this idea. We're like, let's talk about, you know, the wolves and the history, and then let's get back together. Let's have these conversations again, because it used to be just for us. Now we're going to make it for, our, for all YouTube people too. Um, and at the time, up until 2011, I would have said that Derrick Rose was one of my favorite players. So I was all over Derrick Rose, especially when we were doing fantasy basketball leagues and you know sure. trying to put those guys. So it, absolutely, it makes sense for you to think that I was a big fan of Derrick Rose because that was the last time that we were seeing each other every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just with everything that came out about him and the different trials that he went through. And, okay. Um, and I get that. that yeah. I was. That, that was the thing with him where I
1: always – it's like the games he would go off and he have these big games. It was like I was begrudgingly cheering because I was like, okay, yeah. like whatever he, you know, these, the, the uh, allegations against him stuff that I, was still stuck in my head. I remember reading the stories mm-hmm. of what had taken place there and it just, it, I've never been able to get that picture out of my, my head. So yeah, I, I, I get that. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's just where I got a, to.
1: Not a style of play thing. It was just more off the court stuff. Yeah. All right. So. My next question for you. Um it's a little bit like the last one, but which player that the Wolves have drafted in the history of the franchise were you the most wrong on? And which one were you the most right on?
0: The most wrong on and the most right on. As an
1: example, yeah, you know, you and I like during the the draft the Kevin Durant draft. Yep.
0: I famously had told you that I thought Corey Brewer would be a better pro than Kevin Durant. You did.
1: That, I was the, that was the most wrong. <laughs> I
0: have a picture of your face with that quote on it framed in my office. So we're gonna remember that one forever. Um, I was probably the most wrong on Johnny Flynn, um, and maybe not as much on Johnny Flynn, but just because I didn't, I didn't think that passing on Curry was as egregious as everybody else did at the time. Um, if I had, I wouldn't have taken Flynn with number six but I believe I probably would have taken DeMar DeRozan. I thought that was the the most obvious pick. And maybe the Wolves don't get killed as much for passing on Curry twice if they don't take two point guards. Um, But I, I, and it was at the time, you know, I was trying to run a a blog that never went anywhere. You know, it was twolfpack.com, which is just, I don't know, hurts my brain to even think about now. But, you know, but, you know, I wrote a whole article about why it it was smart for the Wolves to draft a second point guard and, you know, go after, you know, make sure they had that position filled because one of the two would probably hit. Then you really need a point guard in the NBA. So why not go twice and get the right guy? I never didn't, I didn't even considered the fact that, like, well, they, because neither of them are good as, as good as Stephen Curry, you know, even if they hit their peak. but and, and were you high on Flynn before we took him? No. Or was that more about you sold
1: yourself on it because he was the guy?
0: I, it was more I sold myself on him. And even though I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself high on Johnny Flynn, my expectations versus where he ended up were probably the most off where okay. yeah i mean there were other draft picks well here's another one i was wrong about kevin garnett because that year ucla had won the ncaa title and my dad is a huge ucla fan and you know so grew up always cheering for ucla so i wanted ed o'bannon i did too actually he but was I didn't the know guy garnett, no it. i didn't either i mean how were we supposed to know about a high school kid in 1995 right but right Um, I was disappointed that they drafted Kevin Garnett. That was not where I was. I was sold on
1: him before the first game, though, because he was on Regis and Kathy Lee, and he wore this American flag jacket and was just awesome, you know, as KG Mm -hmm. is in any interview. And so I was like, oh, that's it. This is my new favorite player. This guy is awesome. I, you know. Yeah. And the only reason why I saw it it wasn't as a kid watching Regis and Kathy Lee, but my mom was like, called me into the house because, you know, the new Timberwolves is going to be on there. So Mm -hmm. I was watching that. But. So So who were you right on, like in terms of a pick?
0: Well, I, I think the hard. I, I think I was probably the most right on West Johnson. I just. So I, you were I, a right
1: on. The, like.
0: Yeah, I was right. I was. Don't think I've ever been right in a guy that I liked because I don't know how many draft picks the Wolves have made that ended up, up what well, ended up turning out well. So okay. it's hard to say. Like I wanted this guy in the second round. The wolves went and grabbed him, and he turned out well. Like the sure. the chances of those three things all hitting at the same time are, are so low because they've just had so all, few good draft picks.
1: Yeah, and outside of the obvious, you know, yeah, if there's it's a three player draft and we have the third pick, you're getting the third guy. Like yeah, those I mean, ones. I
0: I didn't feel good about Christian Leitner. You know, it wasn't. I didn't know anything about J.R. Ryder at the time. Daniel Marshall didn't do anything for me, so it was just kind of we rolled through guys for a while and you know there wasn't anybody that i particularly felt strong about that ended up being awesome for the wolves you know because i just i don't know how many rookies we've taken with the this franchise has drafted that ended up being noteworthy you know
1: yeah and for me the only one i could come up with was i had i had jotted some guys down from the draft where i wanted okogi okay in the first round and we got him and i was thrilled and we got um katebace up. so yeah. Those are the two guys I wanted in that with that okay. our first round pick. And we ended up getting both. So I was thrilled. I still yeah. think Kate Bates, a, a quality rotation player. Um but Okogie, I think, you know, I mean I didn't think he was gonna be a superstar. Mm-hmm. I just for where we were picking in the draft, I thought he'd be the right pick for this team and I I think that was correct. That's that's as close to being on to one that yeah. wasn't you know I mean I I'm I was an Edwards guy. We'll see if that that turns out, you know, things like that, but that's the first pick. So it's not like it's a, yeah. it's a real
0: call. <laughs> well, I was I was probably wrong on Andrew Wiggins too, to be fair. I so, Yeah. Big on Wiggins. Yeah. I mean, like even to the year before when he was with Kansas, you know, I had talked with another buddy about driving down to see a game at Iowa state when he was going to be in town, just so that we could watch him play because he was supposed yeah, sure. to be the next big thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So when we, the Wolves actually ended up getting him, I don't, I don't know if I would have, um, by the time the draft rolled around, been as high on him, because I do remember if Embiid had been healthy, I would have, I wanted Embiid, but I I understood the pick of Wiggins. I thought he was the best pick at the time. um, And we didn't even pick him, right? No, I mean, Cleveland took him, so.
1: Right, so we drafted, or we traded for him, so it sort of moved, but yeah.
0: I was right on Zach Levine. He was my guy. Okay. You know, I said, I don't care if we have to take him one or if we take him 40, but I want Zach Levine on my team. I, I think I still have the receipts on those tweets, so.
1: Probably comes from your dad being a UCLA fan. Probably
0: a little bit of that. And then just, I think there were reports came out that he was like breaking vertical records over at P3 or whatever it happened to be. And all
1: these things that you read about on that. Yeah. You know,
0: so I'll, I'll I'll still hold on to that one. He's, he's showing up a little bit better this year that I don't need to be as embarrassed about being, uh, being strong on, on Zach Levine. So
1: I, I don't care. I mean, where he was picked, he was a project player. I think he surpassed, Anybody's expectations from his draft stat. You yeah, know, he, he has.
0: It's just the last couple of years he was he was an, a good offensive player and the worst defensive player in the sure. year. This sure. year he's at least advanced to an All Star level offensive player while still being the worst defensive player in the years of the of the, in the league. So, um, so his reputation also, has gone up. Sort of,
1: as, as Stephen A. would say, he's a little bit box office too, though with the slam dunks. Yeah, yes. So, yep. so for that standpoint. I mean, yeah, well, who else are you going to take it that, you know, I mean, you know, there might be quality guys there, but you're, you know, I think that's a solid. So I'll,
0: I'll own it. I'll take that one. Yeah. All right. For you, would you rather keep the current team top to bottom, knowing that Glenn was going to be the owner for the next 10 years or have the team sold and moved to Seattle and then 10 years from now get an expansion team?
1: Uh, I'd rather keep the team now. I can't go ten years without basketball in the, <laughs> in the state. That'd be brutal. Like, um, so yeah, that's an easy one for me. I'd want to keep the team here. Keep it with Glenn. To be honest, yeah, I'm not as uh I, I, I'm not a Glenn hater. Like I mean I think he's his own worst enemy at times, but mm-hmm. for all of the warts. He's probably the only guy that would have kept this team here through all these years. Oh, the yeah. Team. I
0: mean, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And he deserves yeah. the billions of dollars he's going to get when he sells this team. Right, right. So,
1: from that standpoint, it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, and to be honest, even in the KG years, you know, I know like he gets roasted for the the, the talent that he surrounded KG with, but a lot of that was KG. I mean, KG is mm-hmm. the one that wanted to keep Trenton Hassel and keep Troy Hudson. And, you know, they, yeah, they went out and got Sam and Spree one year, but, you know, those guys were sort of has been at that point they mm-hmm. weren't you know same had a great year that year but far and away better than the years he had the few years prior to that so um and spree wasn't even close to his best year when he was here so the, I, you know i thought that's not on glenn as much as like the joe smith stuff's on glenn or those yeah. kinds of things are more on glenn
0: yeah so. i mean i guess i if anybody exemplifies our first question more of being are you? Do you need to be a championship team or are you okay just being successful and being known as a plucky go-getter? I think Glenn exemplifies the side of that I don't like the most, where I feel like he just wants to be be known for having a successful team in the area and winning a championship has never been the A1 priority for him.
1: Well, it's the most Minnesota thing ever, right? Like, yep. oh, we just want to be, you know, invited to the party and be, you know, part of the part of the whole thing not necessarily like cutthroat enough to go yeah and you know screw over people and whatever to get to get that ring
0: well so. and he's finding there's there's really nobody in minnesota that cares about keeping the team here and will be cutthroat enough to go right make that happen so um uh, so i don't see a, a true path forward at the moment unless they find somebody who isn't from here but also doesn't care where the team plays and you know they keep it here but uh yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it's all Glenn's fault, but uh, I would I would not be opposed to him selling the team.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I, I wouldn't want it to leave. So if if he sold the team and it stayed here, great. But mm-hmm. to your question, if he sold it, they moved to Seattle, and I don't get another team for ten years. Yeah, at that point, I'm probably no longer a fan of the NBA. Sure. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. <laughs> all right, what do right. we got? Next one for you. Um, so favorite wolves game you ever attended we kind of let a little bit of this one about the first game but what's the your favorite game, favorite game i era, ever attended time
0: yeah um it's probably unfortunately not a win but I got to go to I just remember going to their first playoff game my dad and I okay. went they did like the block party outside because it was somehow already warm enough in April that they were doing outside block parties. It was um, warm, wasn't it? Houston, right? Houston Rockets. Yeah, that 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 year against Charles and Hakeem um, and Akeem. Clyde. Yep. So it was. Uh, was that the game where Sam and Kevin Willis got in a fight? Oh, it probably was. I don't. I don't remember exactly all the details of the game. I just remember the feeling that I had of being in an arena with the Howell towels and having been in downtown, you know, with everybody outside and the, you know, just everything that was going. The, the courts they had set up and, you know, just. That just was kind of a special feeling. And I went to a lot you know, a lot of other playoff games. I went to a game against um, Sacramento in two thousand four when they when they presented Kevin Garnett with his MVP trophy. Unfortunately I was not, at, they lost that game but
1: Yeah, I was at that game too.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um so you know, been to a lot of fun games and a lot of a lot of really cool ones, but just the, the overall atmosphere of being at that playoff game, that very first one in ninety 97 probably yeah, 96, yeah, 97 yeah 97 was just was just special you know I'll always hold on to that yeah what about you
1: yeah. uh favorite game would probably be um there was a playoff game against the Lakers that we won in 04 mm-hmm. that was up there um I'm gonna say you know my favorite game was probably though the first game I took my son to and he was really little I'm trying to think he's probably four or five and we got preppy seats because we against the Lakers and all the tickets were kind of sold because yeah. whenever yep. the Lakers were in town um, and he was Rubio was still on the team um, the first time and every single time they would say Rubio he would just start screaming yeah. and dancing yeah. and like going nuts so that was probably the most fun I had at a game just because I was able to see it through his eyes as a mm-hmm. young kid so
0: yeah a couple a couple of the competitors were for me would have been uh, my wife and I went to see Rubio's first ever regular season game against Oklahoma City, so we went to the season right. opener that year. Um, so I still remember that one. And then That would be before you guys were even married, huh? That would have been, well, no, that was 2011 when he finally came over. Oh, so that okay. was two years after the draft. So we were married in 2010. Um, okay. But yeah, and then a recent, a buddy and I went to the, the Clippers game last year, right after the trade deadline, where they oh, set 1-2. the team record for threes and came one off the the NBA record, so... Um, that I I don't know if I'd put that up there as just a a moment you know an all time moment sure. for me but just the complete difference well, between yeah. that game and every other almost every other experience I'd had in the Timberwolves well, you know, in the Target Center was so different so
1: it's similarly um, my son and I were at the Zion game I have season tickets so we were the Zion game last year was memorable just because I mean it's like I, I want to say it was the first play of the game he like rips a steal and just comes down and dunks it sure. on our end our seats are right on that side of the hoop so Mm -hmm. it was just like that's his favorite player in the league yeah my sons and so he was just like i just again seeing it through his eyes because i remember my first one of my first games sean kemp was one of my favorite players very similar to Zion, and seeing that just raw athleticism up close of some of these guys and how big they are um especially now because the hoops are changed like Mm -hmm. when we were younger you know, like obviously Shaq was breaking them all and so they had to reinforce them. So you don't see a lot of guys rock the rim, but Zion's one of those guys. He can still rock the rim. So having Hayden get to see that up close last year that was pretty fun too. So, it was, you know, we I, we got beat in that game, yeah. but it was still a really fun game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I saw him. Jordan a bunch of times. My uncle was pretty cool and gave me tickets a few times. My dad brought me to some games. We'd always bring the the telephoto lens and you know, bring the camera along and try to take as many pictures as possible. So it was always fun. You know, we always lose, but Sure. I was a huge Jordan fan at the time, so I got to see those. And I wouldn't say this was necessarily a great moment, but I did go to a game with my dad and a couple buddies when I was probably either in college or right after college, and we went to sit down in our seats uh, shortly before the uh, the national anthem was sung. And there were three guys sitting right in front of us, and one of them was just kind of hunched over, and we you know, it looked like he wasn't feeling that well, and we couldn't quite figure out what was going on. So it turns out he'd been drinking so heavily before the game even started, that he couldn't stand up. So his friends lifted him up for the National Anthem, and they had to drop him back in his seat. And when he got dropped, he peed himself and puked on himself and the person <laughs> in front of him. Oh! So they picked him up, and they literally carried him up the stairs out of the arena, the facilities guy comes down he's just got like in the sprinkle powder stuff and all he could do was just sprinkle it on on the seats that had been thrown up on everybody in in that <laughs> area just got like up and left. La- school it's right. like the side stuff at school so and if, if that's if that's not good enough about a quarter later a couple comes walking down a young couple they come walking down from the upper deck and they stare at these seats that have puke and pee all over them and they we just can t- kind of tell that they're just disgusted with something and we're like uh can we help you with something and like a guy came up to the upper deck and said that they couldn't stay for the whole game and sold us their lower deck seats. Oh, no. I know. So we just, like, we held it together until they walked away, but we laughed for a good 20 minutes after that happened because we just couldn't believe the the, the series of events that happened to lead to that point. It was just insane to us. We couldn't even fathom getting so drunk before 7 p.m. that you couldn't even stand up.
1: (laughs) One other... uh memory that you triggered for me was it was a Laker game i want to say it was it was also in the playoffs at um of 04 and i want to say it was the second game but it might have been the first game cuz so i went to i went to 41 games total that year i didn't have season tickets but i lived close mm-hmm. enough where i was just going so between preseason regular season and playoffs I, I attended 41 games um but anyway in front of us was two guys in baseball caps and one of them was clearly a wolves fan one was clearly a lakers fan and we were we were you know, sort of center court, but we were probably, it was my wife and I, we were probably 30 rows back and they were probably four or five rows back, you know, maybe maybe a little further back. Um, and they were just being annoying. The, the Laker guys being super annoying. Every, every time the Lakers would score going to run, he was doing sort of the west side, yeah, you know, gang sign kind of thing. And I'm yelling at him to sit, shut up and stuff. And he, and he never really turned around. And about midway through the fourth quarter, they finally show the two guys up on the jumbotron. And it's Josh Hartnett and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, I remember oh, that. DiCaprio yeah. is my favorite actor. Yeah. And here I am screaming at the guy. For mm. literally, I mean, I, my voice was hoarse when we left. I was yelling at this guy the whole time. And I don't know if he could even hear me or, I mean, he wasn't like reacting back to me. It wasn't anything like that. It was just whenever he would do that, I was yelling. There was other people around us that were yelling at him. But there was other people that were yelling back at me too because there's other Laker fans yeah. in the area, you know. So, um, it was just like, we saw it and my wife and I just looked at, we're like, Oh my gosh!" you know, we're kind of geeking out. And, yeah. So anyway,
0: I mean, I, we could go on this all night. Every time you, yeah. you bring up a story, it reminds me of another game. You know, my, right, my dad right. brought our whole seventh grade basketball team to a game once we just sat in the upper deck and yelled at everybody, you know, so it was just one of those things. So, yeah. uh, we got to move on because so, we're running out of time, but, uh, would you rather add to this Timberwolves team a Kevin Garnett sized JJ Barea or a JJ Barea sized Kevin Garnett? A JJ Barea size Kevin Garnett. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't believe you're gonna soil Kevin Garnett's name with JJ. <laughs> I'm just I'm making you think about it. <laughs> and this it's easy. I don't want anything to do with the Barea game or his personality or anything to do. I'm, I'm sure he's you know a fun guy if you know him. But <laughs> that, you know that Hobbit. I'd, I'd rather take a KG Hobbit style player than a
0: right. You gotta uh, keep all of their skill sets the same though. So KG can play like six eleven KG. KG. Yeah, okay. You'll yeah, still take yeah, him yeah. as a point guard? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Five eleven KG. My point guard. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
1: you're up. JJ Bray, I can't play point guard. Um <laughs> let's see.
0: First Timberwolves jersey you ever bought. Uh unfortunately it was Wally Zerbiak. I went to oh. a game with a with a friend and uh he I was gonna buy a jersey. I brought my money with and I was gonna get Kevin Garnett. And uh, Kent, if you're listening, I still hate you for this. But um, he he said, you don't want to be like everybody else. So why don't you get a, a, another player's jersey? So I ended up going with Zerbiak and it still sits up in my closet. And I think I've probably worn it like twice in the entire time I've owned it. What about you?
1: Um, the first, well, well, the first Wolves jersey I ever got, I think was a Christian Leitner one. That was a, uh, like a fake, like a target one because it was like some, you know, because of the target center relationship with it. So I don't know if it was given out at a game. Or if it was um, like something that Target mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. giving out, somehow my mom got it and gave it to me, and so yeah, that one was of the,
0: one of the giveaway jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but the first one that I bought was KG. I always wanted a Rider jersey before that. Yeah, uh, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and so I didn't ever get one. And when I finally had enough money to get a jersey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was like, "I'm not going to buy
0: a Rider when I can buy MJ." Right. <laughs> so I bought yeah. it. I mean, I had at least four Bulls jerseys at the time before I got any Timberwolves jerseys, which, you know, it just goes to show a a kid growing up in the nineties, but
1: my rich friend who wasn't even that big of a basketball fan got a Larry Johnson Jersey. And I was really jealous of that. Yeah, And and he got it. So when we played Nerf basketball in his (laughs) basement, (laughs) he had a Jersey to wear, but he liked being grandmama.
0: There you go. All right. You can bring back any coach from Timberwolves history to coach this team but you have to bring with them their playbook and strategy from the time that they coached and Rick Adelman is not an option. Ah! <laughs> I'm taking out the clear cut winner. Who is your next choice? So that's a toss up. then the next choice would be Dwayne Casey, mm-hmm. flip Saunders flips mid range game versus Dwayne's only defense strategy. Only defense strategy.
1: And then let that see that. Dwayne Casey's only defense strategy, the guys we have on this team are going to score. I mean, that's, they don't, they're only skill sets, most mm-hmm. of them have. So I'm not really worried about the scoring. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really, I, I am more worried about Flip's mid-range game because that even drove me crazy when Flip was here. Yeah. But what I did like about Flip's strategy is his, he would get kind of, remember his 21 feet of fun? Yes, I do. Yeah. He would do some things like, outside the box that way from a from a rotation standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, And in 04, when he had better shooters, we weren't just a mid-range game. I mean, Sam and Hudson were, you know, even Spree was a three-point shooter. Wally. Peeler. Peeler. Yep. Uh, although Peeler was gone in 04, right? Because we,
0: Oh, yeah. But in. they had Hoiberg at the time.
1: Hoiberg. Yep. yep. So, yeah. So, um, so, I guess, you know, forced to pick one gun to head, I'd, I'd probably go flip. How about you?
0: I mean, Flip is... And if I'm going to cheat and use your answer earlier, that would mean Flip's alive. and. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get to bring him back and yep, run with that. So, I mean, Flip's probably the answer because he's the most successful coach in Timberwolves history. And even if you want to put Adelman and Casey in there because of either they had shortened runs or they had, you know, worse rosters, um, it's, it's hard to go against what Flip was able to do with this team. So... Uh, everybody loved the guy, and I'd try, I try. I think I'd try to bring him back and run out with that one. And We haven't had a long, successful run of coaching here at, with the Timberwolves, so there's not sure. a lot to pick from. But, no, no. But, yeah, what probably you, flip. Jimmy,
1: Jimmy Rogers? Or... Yeah, I know. All right. Favorite all-time sleeper player? So, in other words, you can't pick KG, mm-hmm, Ricky, or Kat. So, either your favorite all-time sleeper player or the player you most irrationally liked. I
0: mean, obviously, the irrational love for Ricky Rubio still continues right. to this day. Well, Ricky doesn't count. Yeah, Ricky he, doesn't count. So, he's a fan favorite. Um, so like everybody kind of has that. Uh, and see, the hard part for me is that everybody gets their time in the sun, and then the second that they prove that they're not helping the team anymore, I turn on them too way too fast. Like even when Darko came over, I was like Darko, you know, and then it's just within three games, I was like, oh my god, what have I done? what have I done? So, um. Sleeper no, player. No, was there was
1: one guy that stuck though. That was just like a role player that you just you like better than everybody else. I'm trying to think of who you might that I recall from back in our our Taco Bell days. Right. That you... I don't know. Well, I'll think about it. Who, who would your your guy be? So the the first exa- I had two examples. One that I think you would share, which is Peck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then the other one that I think you would remember me being irrationally <laughs> obsessed with was Craig Smith.
0: Yes, you. The Rhino Craig- was your guy.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love him. Um, and then the other one, for different reasons, would be, and again another one I think you and I would share. But Brandon Roy, because of what he did in Portland, yeah. you know. But he was obviously compromised when he. Yeah, we a put game. a lot
0: of hopes on Brandon Roy when he came over. Yeah. Irrationally excited about that one, but like I said, I I get irrationally excited about a lot of players, and then I, I talk too. myself into them, and then twenty but games Craig's, later, I'm totally out on them. So
1: Craig's the kind of guy I was looking at for out of you, like that type of guy where. Yeah. I never got down on Craig Smith. I was more down on the Wolves for, you know, not keeping him around. So, um, you know, is there a guy, you know, was there was Terrell Brandon or, you know, I don't know, Michael Williams, whoever it was, that was
0: somebody that wasn't
1: necessarily a fan favorite, but you just.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it would totally count because he was a high draft pick and there were high expectations on him. But even after learning, you know, figuring out that he was never actually going to help the team win, I still think I rolled with Michael Beasley and just yeah. the, the personality that he brought with the team and uh, just kind of being a goofball. And, you know, his ability to put the ball in the basket was fun. And at the time, we weren't going anywhere. So it was just kind of a, let's just see we what got, this guy can do type of thing.
1: We got him for a bag of potato
0: chips. Yeah. Basically. So, yeah. So that would okay. probably be the closest I could come. I like Bobby Jackson because he uh, he came from the Gophers. So his, he was good here. So I didn't have a chance yeah. to turn on him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can yeah, rolled mean- with him as well.
1: I even went through a stint. This is even more embarrassing than my Corey Brewer is going to be better than Durant probably because I really liked Will Avery for a couple of mm-hmm, years there, mm-hmm. even though he literally turned into nothing. Yeah. Like, You know. Um, but I mean, there's been a handful of guys that I, you know, I really like that we drafted and never ended up playing. Time. I mean, Craig Smith was a starter for quite a while for us. Um, you know, that the season with Ryan Gomes yeah. and some guys, but um, so that's
0: that was a that yeah. was a guy I had in mind for me when I was coming up with that question for you. So. I wore uh, I wore knee-high socks when playing basketball for years because of Bobby Jackson. So and a headband? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I bu- I think I brought the headband in once I got to college because of my my mantra is always if you can't play like a baller, you got to look like a baller. <laughs> so uh all right, for you favorite in-arena gimmick or game or in between you know, a timeout thing that they used to do at the target center that you missed since we can't go to games anymore. And it doesn't even have to be something from a recent season, just something that you remember that they used to do. That was fun.
1: The one I remember most is the lady on the unicycle. The, with the plate. Yeah. Red Panda. Red Panda. I was yeah. trying to remember. It was like, red cat. It's not red cat. No. I was trying to remember her name, but yes, red Panda. Um, is probably the number one. I, I was also at a game where this was a few years back, but vanilla ice, Mm-hmm. Played at halftime, which was actually really cool. And then last year they had min- min- Minneapolis artists play for a handful of games, um, so that was pretty cool too, just to see some of these musical acts I hadn't heard of. Yeah, um, a couple of them were pretty good. So that was that was fun. But yeah, to pick one, Red Panda would be. I mean, she's she's huge mm-hmm. now. She's a, she is. She's a superstar. How about you?
0: Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Because they'd always have people do ridiculous things. Like one guy even got a tattoo during the game one time of the Timberwolves <laughs> logo in order to just get a Klondike bar. Um, that was, you know, okay. early on, you know, 2011, 2012. Um, I miss the blimp, though. I miss the blimp yeah. flying around and dropping hats and tickets yeah, and whatever they used cool. to do. So
1: uh, what, while we're on it, like quick aside, what's your favorite crunch bit?
0: My favorite crunch bit, and probably his. So I probably have two. It's probably either the walking along the railing and slipping and catching himself while pretending to hit himself in the groin. Okay. Or, um, or the, the kind of the slide down the stairs. The slide down the stairs yeah. was, was mine. So Who did he was... injure doing that? Who did he hurt? Well, see, I saw
1: him do it a few times over over the years. So was... I never, I never saw him hurt anybody. I thought he hurt like somebody's dad during doing that one. I, time. I know, he, I know, he hurt somebody, and that's why it never happened. But yeah. I didn't. Or, yeah, that's why they stopped doing it. But I, I never, I was, I didn't see that. I sure. didn't see him hurt anybody. So yeah. uh, he used to do it every game that I had been gone mm-hmm. through when it yeah. during that era, and all of a sudden it just stopped happening. I was like, they must have got a different crunch because this guy doesn't. <laughs> <he> <laughs> I thought too that too. Question. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, is it my question or yeah, your question? You're up. I, all right. Um, which player on the in the history of the walls were you the saddest to see leave? Again, outside of KG or outside Ricky. Outside of
0: KG or Ricky. I was sad when JJ Berea. Oh. Um
1: JJ Berea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kill you. <laughs> I'll just disconnect. <just> <laughs> I don't know, it was probably Peck when he walked away. It wasn't yeah. even because he went to another team. He just wasn't around anymore. I love Peck. Yeah. What about you? It would be Peck.
1: Peck Peck would be one I, I really sort of like uh, well, I liked him from the get go. Al Jefferson was another one I really mm-hmm. liked. Um and I met him in the offseason after his knee surgery and stuff. Um there was like a it was after one of the Wolves games, they did like an autograph signing after the game. Yeah. All players. And it was like it was the it was like Mike Miller was up there. Um uh, Mark Madsen was there and was kinda like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a I wasn't a fan of Mark Madsen. He was kind of kind of hitting on my wife and my right. brother's well. <laughs> <I'm laughs> like, really <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like please. Um but uh Jefferson was actually super, super cool. Like yeah. I mean he's the best player on the team by a mile and it took a lot of time mm-hmm. sitting and talking with us um which was really cool and it was very, very like respectful like you know, um, we were wishing him well about his knee surgery and that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And he was just a really, really friendly guy. The other one that was really nice was Mike Miller. Um, but uh, I wasn't the biggest Mike Miller fan mm-hmm. um, per se. So I wasn't like sad to see him go. Yeah. So I would say Peck was definitely a big one for me. I, I was also really sad when I was a kid when Ryder was traded because I really like J.R. Ryder. Uh, even though the teams were terrible, I yeah. just especially because the team was terrible. It was like I was like, "Come on, you can't." And I really I, I was excited about KG. Mm-hmm. And we got so excited about
0: KG and Ryder together. And then they trade Ryder and I was I couldn't understand yeah. that. I also oh, didn't I, don't think I got it really a chance to be annoyed at Marbury as an individual before they traded him. So I was pretty bummed when they when they ended up trading Marbury because I had put a lot of hopes as a preteen or whatever it, I it was at the time into um or probably a teenager, a young teenager at the time into the future of Kevin Garnett and stuff on Marbury. So
1: and I was in college and I remember I was at a, in a Colburn's parking lot <laughs> when I heard, you know, that the wolves traded Marbury for 12 Brandon. And I remember saying to whoever was in the car with me, good riddance. Cause I was so annoyed that he forced our hand. To, yeah. To, I mean, I was a huge Marbury fan, but I was, I turned on him like that when he
0: wanted yeah. me to get out. So of I, it. like I said, I don't think I knew what was going on totally at the time. So, um, uh. sure. You kind of teased my next question, but a favorite live performance by a musical group at a Timberwolves game. And my answer is definitely Vanilla Ice because I was at the same game. Yeah. Yeah. Vanilla
1: Ice. And then I'm um, trying to think if there's another one Um, because there was. I've been at Target Center for some other music. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a big concert guy. Like, I like music a lot, but I'm not one to go and sit and watch people do a worse version of their mm-hmm. song than what I hear on their albums because not, not a lot of people I've seen were great at Yeah. So this... This is a little bit of a cheat, but it's Timberwolves related. I was at the Target Center for a Boys the Man, Tevin Campbell, and Babyface concert. It was when my wife and I had first started dating. Yeah, who wouldn't be? Yeah. And I and and uh Boys the Man was late, like two hours late. And so <laughs> Babyface and Tevin Campbell both came back out to do extra songs. But I walked outside to go to the bathroom, and right outside the concourse was J.R. Ryder. There you go. Against a wall and he he knew I recognized him, and mm-hmm. he was on the on a cell phone, like mm-hmm. one of those big block Zach Morris cell phones, and he just kind of gives me that head nod, and I I didn't even go to the bathroom; I went right back to my seat <laughs> and told my <laughs> wife, well, yeah. the "There you <laughs> go." I showed them on the big screen later, um, and it was like Ryder later, like there was a yeah. handful of guys there at the same time, so it's cool. pretty cool. That's but, fun. Yeah. All right. Um, we kind we've talked about some of these things, so this could be a quick one, but.
0: Was um, one I wrote down. Favorite moment in franchise history. Favorite moment in franchise history would be Game Seven against the Kings.
1: Diddle, yeah. I think that's a pretty easy one.
0: Yeah, we don't have a lot of moments anywhere that really approach no, Game there, Seven. There was no Timberwolves euphoria higher than winning that game. That was yeah. that was peak. So, all right for you. What is the either the highest scoring performance you've seen live by a Timberwolves player or a opponent of the Timberwolves, or just the best performance that you can remember? What if for some reason it was other than scoring? Um,
1: I can't remember. I mean, I I've been to a lot of games. I think even last year, before we got D'Lo, I was at the Warriors game where he I think he scored like forty three against mm-hmm. us or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but there's been a number of big scoring games. I was at the game to against the Lakers where KG had like 35 points, 20 rebounds, eight assists or seven, something like, I don't remember like six, but it was a lot of, he almost had a triple double. I know that. Um, But I was at that game. That was one of the most dominant performances I had ever seen. And it was against, I hated the Lakers. Like that was by far my least favorite team in the league. Cause I, I love Shaq today. Yeah, I hated Shaq when Mm -hmm. he was on the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I hated Kobe Bryant until he retired. Yeah, (laughs) Like I, like, I couldn't stand those guys, so I hated that team. And so what KG did in that game was the most impressive yeah. performance.
0: How are you? Uh, I went to a game in college with my roommate, and it was happened to be the game that Tony Parker just went out and dropped 51 on us. So uh, I don't know if I've seen any higher scoring performances than that, which was... Uh, Crazy because you know Tony Parker, he doesn't do it in the traditional way. No. I, you know, I wasn't at the Corey Brewer fifty-point game. I wasn't at the Mel Williams fifty-point game. But didn't that uh, wasn't Robinson's like
1: seventy-one point or game against the Wolves last game of the season? I don't.
0: I think if that was against the Wolves, I would remember that. I don't think it was. I thought it was, but I, okay, I could be
1: wrong. I wasn't there for it. Yeah. If it was, but for some reason I was remembering that was against the Wolves. But
0: but yeah. Parker just with his mid range and just getting into the lane just at will was just unfortunate. Especially, I mean, it was, I don't know, 0-4. It was not a good wolf. I mean, or I mean, it was, yeah, it was it would have been probably a good wolves team at the time, but I'm not sure yeah. he just kind of took over. So, it's not mm-hmm. that one. All right. So this one kind of we uh, I earlier I asked you who what
1: was your first wolves jersey you bought. Mm-hmm. This one is which wolves jersey or uniform. Was your favorite? So of all the years, right? Not the player, but just the
0: the design. Yeah, I for me, I know so many people love the trees, and they'd bring the trees back in a second. But for me, it's the OG. You got to go back to the originals, the white and the yeah. blue with the with the just the wolves across the chest. It's simple, it's classic, and I think that could live forever. What about
1: yeah. you? Um, ditto on that. And my second part of that question would be, which logo is your favorite? The original so, once
0: again. Yeah.
1: Logo. Yeah. Uh, I might like. Remember the alternate logo during like kind of like the Adelman era? Yeah. That was probably my favorite. It was never actually the main logo. Mm-hmm. Again, it was sort of a redo of the original logo and sort of like in-between the original yep. and today's logo. Yep. Um, but that
0: was my favorite logo. Okay. What is your craziest memory? So, like, not necessarily a, a good game or a good performance or even something that was necessarily basketball-related, but what is just something that kind of stands out to you, kind of like my some guy pissing himself story you know
1: um that's a good question so the crazy thing is i've been to like i'm sort of like the forrest gump of minnesota sports fans i end up at all the craziest Mm -hmm. like this isn't a Timberwolves one but the i was at the twins game when cecil fielder got his first ever career stolen base nice it was like his last, one of his last years in the league Yeah, when he was like, you know, 350. <laughs> and what was awesome about that was he stole second base and the crowd gives him a standing ovation because yeah. they announced it's his first, first stolen base. He gets dirt down his pants. So he's standing up, he's getting that dirt off his pants. But when the crowd starts giving him a standing ovation with his pants unbuttoned, he picks up the second base and holds it over his head like he's Ricky <laughs> Henderson. <laughs> so I, I, I was at that one. I was at um, Cal Ripken's 3,000th hit. Okay. Yeah. Where it was like he needed like four hits and it was like the seventh inning he hadn't gotten a hit yet, yeah. or he got one hit. And we're like, he's only gonna be up to bat maybe one or mm-hmm. two more times for lucky. While well, the game gets stretched out or whatever, and he ends up getting it, so we all got like certificates. And I've been at some of these, but now I'm blanking on which what's the craziest ones for the wolves. Um in terms of like weird yeah, you know just something that stands out, right. Happen, yeah. I mean the one that stands out, this isn't a crazy one, but I used to go to, I tried to go to all the games that were on Martin Luther King Day because mm-hmm. they would bring in schools from around the country. And I want to say, I, I know it was against the Wizards because the only reason why I went to that, or reason why I was excited to go to that one is because Michael Jordan was on the team. That's the only time I saw Michael Jordan play was when he was with the Wizards uh, in person. And then the, one of the high school teams that was there was OJ Mayo. Okay. Uh, and I think it was the same Martin Luther King day, but I, they might be different, but that was like a, in my head was like one of the you know mm-hmm. craziest events just because it was Michael Jordan yep. coming back and all that. So um, I, I know I'm forgetting something, but that's the first one comes up, comes to mind. Sure. So yours is the, do you have another one besides the guy peeing in his- I mean,
0: it's hard to beat the puke story. <laughs> uh, I'd say second place for me was that I was at the game when uh, Dennis Rodman kicked famous Amos, the cameraman. Oh, wow. Okay. So, got to see that happen and him ejected at the time and Amos realized four seconds after getting kicked that he could make money off of it and falling over. So I uh, got to see that one live, but so that was just kind of a crazy moment at the target center, but yeah, nothing's going to beat the, uh, the puke story. So sure. Sure. Um, all right.
1: Your second favorite NBA team. Okay. And, which could be one team one year, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, whatever the 98 Bulls, And then, to tie to that your second favorite franchise if it's if it's different
0: i would say the 96 bulls would have been my second favorite team and franchise has fluctuated throughout the years because i felt no attachment to the bulls um after jordan left so much so um but for me it's fairly easy to decide on the 76ers just because i did work for the team for a couple of years and i know people who are still in the front office and uh uh that you know that just holds a special place for me especially with all the, the swag that i still have up in my closet to just throw on some sixers gear every once in a while but uh i don't <laughs> yeah, i don't know any of the guys there anymore the only players left in the league from when i was there are, are andre gadala and lou williams um so it's not like i i want Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to win a championship you know that's not it but I do know enough people that it is to work for the team that I'd be pretty psyched for them if they got through so
1: sure makes sense what about you um favorite team would probably be that one the one of the Seattle teams with Peyton and Kemp mm. Sam Perkins and those guys or um one of my my favorite second favorite franchise has always been the Portland Trail Blazers. Well, I shouldn't say always. My favorite franchise before the Wolves was the Spurs and then the Wolves came and I've always liked the Spurs. I've always had a soft spot for them as well, but the Blazers for the last 15 plus years is uh, even more than that because it was back when they played the Bulls when I really became a Blazers fan. Yeah. Um and I was a big Drexler and Terry Porter fan and later I like Sabonis, I like Richie. I mean, and they've always put together teams that I like. So, um but that Terry Porter, Clifford Robinson, Clyde Drexler team would probably be right up there with one of those Seattle teams as one of my all-time favorite teams. Yeah. Outside of-
0: that, was a, of the that was a fun one. Yeah. All right. Would you rather have season tickets to see a 22-win Wolves team or be able to experience a 62-win Wolves team with no local broadcasts and no t- no tickets sold to the games? can I watch them like if I pay for league pass or something or? Nope. You only get the national broadcasts. So, I, so you, you get Twitter, you get updating feeds on ESPN.com, but you only can, see, I, you have to go back to 1990 when it was just Sunday yeah. afternoon games are all you could see.
1: I would go probably the 22 win team. It's it kind of goes back. To, it's similar to your question about, you know, Glenn selling and mm-hmm, moving mm-hmm. to Seattle or, or keeping them here with the same regime and everything they have. And, The experience
0: is more important for you. Well, I I, I wouldn't
1: feel connected to a team that I can't watch. Yeah, like I'm not going to just root for a team just because they're local. I have to like have um, some sort of personal connection to them, just investment of watching them. Yeah, Um, I'm not a front runner guy. Like I can't just enjoy a team. Like oh, this is going to be my like take the NFL playoffs. I can't just say. I mean, I'm kind of rooting for Buffalo or Cleveland. You Mm -hmm. know, in the playoffs. But I can't. I won't be as excited for one of those teams winning the Super Bowl anywhere close to what I would be. You know what I mean for the Vikings. So if I can't watch it and invest that all my angst and (laughs) anger frustrations on a franchise, then I, you know, I I doesn't yeah I won't care as much. How about you? Which way would you go?
0: Uh, It's tough because I don't know. I think to like my experience with multiple like twin seasons where I went the whole season without watching a baseball game, but then I'd tune in for every playoff game or I would see the big ones near the end of the season, you know, and it was just kind of... I still would have been just as invested through that playoff run if they had made it to the World Series and happened to win another title, you know, so... Um, and, you know, and even with the Wolves back in the 90s, you know, at the time, it was... I wasn't watching the games, you know, regularly. We didn't have cable, so it was just... If they happened to be on once or twice a year on NBC, I'd get that, but otherwise it was just... Uh, check the paper the next morning cheer for your team try to follow along as best you could you know see how they're doing read the paper you know read the the recap so um i feel like i could get invested into a team even if i wasn't able to watch every single game um, it would still be a lot of fun to have season tickets just because i've never personally had season tickets before but uh, i don't know i guess it depends on which type of 22 win team it is they' they've had yeah. they've had a lot of different types of bad teams and a lot some of them are more fun than others so
1: yeah, and I think I grew up. I mean, we had cable from not from those first couple seasons. I don't remember being able to see that many of the games, but certainly by even the writer Danielle Marshall, that's when mm-hmm. I was already really invested. Where I was following the draft and following as many games as I could, watching James Highwood Robinson go nuts and yep. Shane Heal and all these guys like that. I I watched so many games of that. Um you know, made me such a fanatic about this team. So I, I would have to be able to keep connected and, and see okay. more games and cool. a handful. All right. So i um, kind of back to the nostalgia thing. What was your first ever Timberwolves autograph you, you got?
0: So I went to an autograph session and, I don't know exactly when it was, but it would have been. I'm assuming it had to be a preseason game that the the whole team stuck around for after the game, and we were able to walk around the concourse and they each had a table. If you brought a piece of memorabilia, you were able to get that signed. Otherwise, they just all had a, a stack of pictures of themselves that they signed. So, uh, I got you know I got the whole team's autograph at the time, but it was it was J.R. Ryder and Christian Leitner and Doug West and Daniel Marshall. I think was so it would have been Daniel Marshall's rookie year rookie year you know he was only here for a a fourth of a third of a season so right right um it would have been that at that period so um it was pre-kg so there you know there wasn't anybody that that autograph ended up becoming you know richly popular or you know anything for but uh, so i still actually have the pack uh the stack of the default pictures sitting right behind me because i've recently been going (laughs) through some of my memorabilia but uh, I, could, I flipped through and I couldn't even name you who most of the guys are that I have the autographs for. But I think Doug West, Michael Williams, J.R. Ryder, and Christian Leitner were the four that actually brought basketball cards for to get signed. What nice. about you?
1: Um, so I didn't get any autographs that early, even though I'm older than you. So that's kind of crazy. Um, my first autograph was my cousin was a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines. And she would get on the team charters a lot. Nice. And so she yeah. got me for Christmas one year. A, she got a hat signed by Chris Carr and Terry Porter. <laughs> <laughs> she also got a KG one, but I think she kept it. Yeah, they didn't herself. go to you. Right. <laughs> no, it didn't go to me. She even got to she got to charter one of a uh, private flight that he took some friends down somewhere south. I don't remember where they were going. It might have been to his um home or what well, I don't remember, but and she I remember she told me that he he would uh he brought in KFC. <laughs> On the plane, they didn't they didn't eat the airplane food, and she's like, she goes, "They had buckets of mac and cheese from KFC." <laughs> like, uh, he is so my like, spirit animal, right? like, That's that, that I want to be friends with them. Um, but my first autographs were Terry Porter and Chris Carr. Chris Carr. So. There you go.
0: Wasn't Chris Carr in the dunk contest once?
1: Um, he might. Yeah, I think. He, I think you're right. I think he yeah, was. And I'm sure he yeah, went yeah, out I in the first remember, round, but yeah, I think he was in it. He had like no neck, but like <laughs> super long arms. He had, you know, he's kind of yeah. a weird build, but yeah. All right. Mar- and Terry Porter, I was excited about because I, I loved him from his Portland days. So even though he was old when yeah, yeah. the Wolves got him, I was a, a huge Terry Porter guy. He was a good role player played... for the team, definitely. Yeah. A good backup for Marbury because he was, you know, good veteran to kind of yep. teach him the ropes. All
0: right, I got one final question for you, Chad. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Would you rather fight to the death one Nikola Pekovic or three Corey Brewers?
1: Three Corey Brewers. <laughs>
0: I think you'd have to get to like nine Corey Brewers before I would. Take
1: <laughs> <Peck>. <laughs> I mean, one Corey Brewers, seems like a pretty nice guy. So yeah. like, I don't think you really got that killer instinct. Uh, Peck's literally. I'm sure he's killed a guy. Yeah. Life. Yeah. So like I'm not messing with Peck. I mean, it might even be more than nine Corey Brewers. Cause I think I could take one or two Corey Brewers. I mean, I okay. probably outweigh him by 40, 50 pounds.
0: Corey Brewer uh, came in at six nine one eighty five.
1: I definitely outweigh him. Yep by 20, 30 pounds.
0: He's got the reach, though, Chad. Watch out.
1: He's got the reach, but... um, I mean, He's got Peck, nonstop energy, too. Peck's got the reach. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really need to have my arms ripped off and beaten to death of them. Okay. So you're taking Peck over three
0: Corey Brewers? No, I'm not. I'm taking three Corey Brewers as well. I don't have a chance against either of them, but... I'm not saying I have a chance. I just... I think
1: that I think my death would be a little less bloody against yeah. three Cory Brewers, and at least nine. if
0: I kill two Cory Brewers, I don't feel so bad because there's still a Cory Brewer left. Right, right. Either like Peck, I, the other way, either Peck kills me, or I'm the one who killed Peck, and I don't think I could Peck. live with either scenario.
1: Against Peck, he's just kill me as I'm curled up in a field. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't go down looking brave. Yeah. All right, my last question for you. Okay. Uh your oddest or favorite close encounter with a timber wolf in public
0: in public oh goodness i don't know if i've ever seen any of them in public really i'm trying to think if i've ever randomly crossed across or one across you know what okay i do have one um because sam jacobson from the gophers he played for the wolves for just a short period right Yep. Yep. I, so i went to like a c- celebrity pro-am golf tournament uh, where Sam Jacobson was one of the celebrities, so it tells you how big of a this, how big this tournament was when Sam Jacobson's one of the headlining celebrities. It was sure. just kind of a local golf tournament, and I uh, got to see him for a little bit, got his autograph on the bill of a cap. But other than that, just running into, running into guys in in public, I don't think I've really uh had that experience. How about you?
1: Uh well, I I've I've run into a number of them. Um, I'll say my favorite one. It's not the oddest, but I have an odd one. <laughs> after this uh, but the my favorite one was i was at circuit city and i'm standing there looking at some cds mm-hmm. and at the time it was the big cd one of the top cds of the era was this tony braxton cd where on the cover she's wrapped in just a towel
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she's gorgeous and and i was i was looking at some more cds but the, the guy next to me grabs a cd and he just goes damn and he like flips it to show yep. it to me and I just look, and I nod, and I look up, and it's Kevin Garnett. <laughs> and so I run back. My brother worked at Circus City. I run back and tell my brother, Kevin Garnett's here. Mm-hmm. Like, what? No, he's not. And then I point at him. He goes, that's
0: just some tall black guy. That guy's here all the time. I go, dude, that's Kevin Garnett.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, Kevin Garnett was there all the time. Right. So Imagine
0: thinking that and just missing yeah. out on so many opportunities.
1: Well, my brother wasn't a Wolves fan. He wasn't yeah. a Batsby fan. Um, and so, yeah, he had no clue. My oddest one. Okay was and Derek as you know I'm a I'm a really big David Copperfield fan yeah yeah <laughs> so one of the times I saw David Copperfield he doesn't tour that much anymore but he was after I saw him once in person I, I used to watch him as a little kid um when he made essentially we disappear all that okay. stuff anyway so once he started I was old enough to be able to go to shows on my own um I would go to see his show whenever he'd come and I was at the show and at the, the final trick was he brought up like 12 people from the audience randomly they throw a ball on the audience and it bounces around, and if when the music stops, whoever's holding it would come up and stand on the stage, and he was mm-hmm. gonna make the whole disappear. Well, one of the people that caught the ball was Felipe Lopez. Sure, yeah. And he made Felipe disappear. Nice. <laughs> so that was my oddest encounter.
0: Um, just because he, yeah. I mean, the guy disappeared, man. <laughs> but, I still, so I still remember. um this wasn't in public because, like I said, I worked for the Sixers. So pregame, every game, uh, it was when Maurice Cheeks was the head coach. But he'd step out of the locker room, and I'd join with the the media throng, and we'd record his pregame statements. They'd ask him questions. I'd never ask questions because I just worked for the team, and I just record them, and then go throw them up on the website. But uh, we, had the locker rooms, the home and visiting locker rooms, were just down the same hallway from each other, and the Timberwolves were in town, and I was wearing, you know, my. Timberwolves jersey underneath my suit because I you know secretly was still cheering for the Timberwolves to win even though I was working for the Sixers at the time and um you know Cheeks you know Coach Cheeks was answering all his questions and KG came walking out of the visitor's locker room he's probably 50 feet away and I've never come so close to getting fired from a job in my life as I did <laughs> in that moment because I just one slip of uh intuition or uh, just knowing what to do in the in the right moment at the right time and i would have been running down the hallway i would have been you know blabbering my mouth off trying to just you know tell him how much you know i've enjoyed watching him you know just growing up in minnesota and i just i've never come closer to just losing my cool around a celebrity before and i just i luckily i held it together because i would definitely would have lost my job if i had done that but
1: well i freeze up when i see guys i mean i'm the first this wasn't even really in public it was at the target center right, for a wolves game but when we had one of those early courtside seats that my dad had when I had to use the restroom, the ticket people were just like, well, I'll just go through here. And it was mm-hmm. kind of through the concourse where the players come out today. So I go out there and there was a bathroom. There It was like a public bathroom, but apparently that's also where the players would go. Sure. Before they come back out on the court. So I'm in there peeing next to Marlon Maxey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember him, but yeah. he was like a six foot nine hour before, big guy. Um, not a Timberwolves story, but I do. I do know you have another story
0: from the Sixers. That's odd. Where Chris Weber ran into your truck? <laughs> he did. So, we were uh, leaving practice one day, and uh, he was his he was in his Rolls Royce right in front of me, trying to leave the the parking ramp. And we all had a swipe card to get out because we were there, you know, almost every day. And he swiped his his card, and he rolled forward, and the gate didn't go up. So he threw it in reverse and just kept going, and just ended up running into the front bumper of my pickup truck. And at the time I was probably 22, you know, so, and this is Chris Webber and his Rolls Royce. And I also, and I think I'm the one who's going to get in trouble. You know, I've convinced myself. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you know, I'm freaking out. So I just kind of like stuck my hand out the window and I just like waved him on and I was like, go ahead. So he just swiped again and drove away and I was like, what do I do? So like the parking lot attendant came out and he like looked at my truck. I was like, is it bad? He goes, no, it's just a dent. I was like, okay. So I drove home and I looked at it, and so my front front bumper was was dented. And you know, I I asked him a couple of days later. I was like, hey, you running anybody lately? He goes, what do you mean? I was like, that was me you ran into in the parking ramp. He goes, oh man, is you you ride okay? I was like, yeah, it's okay. I never asked him to pay for it. Never told him there was even a dent. I. It's like two hundred and fifty grand worth of damage. Yeah, I know <laughs> no, no big deal. I know. Was was I- it was like a Chevy S10 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, Pick it was up. an S10. So I was like in my head, I'm like, can I get like a watch out of this? You know, I was, I was like, <laughs> like coming run through all the scenarios. Yeah, or an like autograph. Or... Yeah, even an autograph would have been fine. Yeah, but no, that uh, that never came to anything besides just uh, Chris Weber not being as awkward around me when I would walk by and he actually knew who I was. But uh, <laughs> but no, that was that was one of my craziest stories working there. So
1: <laughs> I remember that one from. when... When we first got to know each other, I remember mm-hmm. those were the first stories you were telling me about.
0: Yeah, that was a fun one. All right, man. That was uh, those are twenty four fun questions. It was it was fun to reminisce, look back at some of our favorite memories, and uh, just have have a giggle. So, uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to go back to nineteen eighty nine again. Chad and I are have are both going to watch the Timberwolves' very first ever home game. It's on YouTube. The Timberwolves play, uh, played Michael Jordan the Chicago Bulls. So we're going to bring it back. We're going to you know. Come come back, we'll talk about uh, the our favorite parts of the game, our least favorite parts of the game, what is different between now and then, and just kind of what that initial roster looked like, how they played together, kind of you know what Musselman uh, put out there on the floor. So, uh, Chad, any preemptive thoughts as we, we go to watch that game?
1: I'm sure it's a loss. Actually, I know it's a loss. Um, it's a safe so, bet, yeah. And I know from just uh, anecdotally when doing research on some of the other stuff we've done that that game had no three-pointers made in the entire game by either team so that'll mm-hmm. be kind of interesting to watch kind of compared to today's yeah style of play where you know you're throwing up 48 three-pointers a game so it should be fun
0: it'll be fun we'll see how uh, mj does against our, our timberwolves the very first time they ever played them so join us next week for Howl history we'll be back with that chad thanks again once again yeah take care man been Have a pleasure night. yep see ya peace